What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 58 on this Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Josh Calloway, James D. Jackson, Tom Green with you on a Tuesday. We bumped the show back a day again, and again, it, it kind of paid off because there's some things we want to talk about that we wouldn't have been able to if we did the show yesterday. We'll get into all of it. Scouting Call My List just came out. Reaction to that a little bit. A little instant reaction came out just before we started recording. Basketball continues to play um, important games. Men got a big win. Women just keep on winning. Porter Moser leaving? Question mark. Maybe not. We'll talk about that. And uh, a little baseball preview from from me, really, more, more than anything, at the very end of the program as well. But, gentlemen, we are about five-ish. We don't know the exact start of spring, spring camp. About five-ish, six-ish weeks, month and a half or so out from the start of spring camp. So I figured let's take each show in the early part of the week and let's kind of just do a little temperature check on each position group for Oklahoma. We'll do two each each week, kind of like our position preview series. If you're with us back in the fall, we'll do it again during fall camp where we kind of break it down. We gave our confidence level. You guys remember that? Yeah. We'll kind of break each, each position down a little bit and just kind of how where things are at now as it stands today in February. Obviously, this is before spring ball. This is before the post-spring transfer portal window. So, like I said, it's just a temperature check, not a final estimation, but just as things stand today. So, to start, let's do quarterbacks. We're going to do quarterbacks and running backs here today. Obviously, Jackson Arnold era begins. Dylan Gabriel's gone. He goes to Oregon. You bring in Michael Hawkins, Brendan Zerbrug, the freshman who signed, and you add Casey Thompson out of the transfer portal to presumably be your backup. Davis Bevel also transfer portaled out. General Booty still hanging around. So, guys, my question, and I'll pose it to you this way every time we do this, better shape, about the same, or are you more concerned about the quarterback group? This is also set the Trails unit now, not Jeff Levy, so you have a change in leadership there. Tom, how are you feeling? Is it Are you more confident in the signal caller spot than you were maybe this time last year or going into the season last year, I should say? Or, you know, you think uh, – how, how, how are you measured up right now? So I, I don't think I'm more confident yet. Um, just because, as you guys know, going into last season, I think I was higher on Dylan Gabriel's mm-hmm. potential and his ability more than the rest of us were, um, just because of his experience more than anything. You know, Jackson Arnold obviously has all the ability in the world, uh, an incredible arm. You know, we saw that on display, you know, at, at times during his freshman year. We saw it in the bowl game. But we also saw some things that he obviously needs to work on, and that's going to come as he gets more comfortable in Seth Luttrell's offense, um, as he just develops as a passer. Um, you know, a couple times he was holding on to the ball a little bit too long or something like that. So I think that there's a very high ceiling, obviously, in that quarterback room. I don't think there's any cause for concern in the quarterback room. I'm just not ready to say that they're in a better position yet in the quarterback mm-hmm. room. But they're in a better position than they were, you know, a month and a half ago, two months ago. You know, be, being able to bring in Casey Thompson in the transfer portal to add a veteran presence, a guy who, in a pinch, as long as he's healthy, if Jackson Arnold goes down or has to miss time for whatever reason – you would have no hesitation throwing Casey Thompson in there to start a game. You would have confidence yeah. in him to do that. I mean, he's a seventh-year guy. When he's been healthy, he's been an effective quarterback. He's played in big games. So I, I like where this quarterback room is at right now. I feel much better about it than I would have, you know, two, you know, a month and a half, two months ago. Yeah, I like what Tom says here. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly less, you know, confident than what I was last year with Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold back there. I mean, those guys are. 
I mean, they were basically five star. Jackson Arnold was a five star, but Dylan Gabriel, with his experience and everything that he had already brought, he had proven to be a five star guy at that point in time in terms of college football. So, like, his experience is what you talk about with Casey Thompson. Dylan Gabriel has that experience. He also had the playing time at that level as well. And then you have Jackson Arnold just behind him. It was a it was a really really good situation to be in. As as we said, it was very high on our numbers and our rankings that we did. Uh, before the season started. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I think OU is just a little bit less than that at this point in time because the guys are unproven at this point. Like the guys that you brought in, the guys that you have, you know, behind them, we don't really know all that they can do at the college level just yet. And that's even with Jackson Arnold. I mean, he had just that one game really where he actually got to start and play uh, a full-length game. I mean, he, he had his, you know, touches here and there throughout the season. But, the, you know, being the guy as, as, the, as the main guy, that's what I'm talking about here. So it's a little bit unproven. So I think it's a little bit less than, you know, where we were at the time last year. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say marginally more confident um, okay. by, by a small, small gap. I, I, obviously, you lose. Well, I think what you lose in the experience and, you know, veteran presence that Dylan Gabriel had with Jackson, I think you make up for and just, you know, arm talent and, and just general skill, things like that. I mean, he's going to do throws that. Dylan Gabriel just wouldn't attempt to do. Um, and yeah, obviously, yeah. you guys know, I was talking about all season, how highly I think of Jackson Arnold. Case Thompson added was a big deal, um, like Tom said. With Michael Hawkins as a true freshman backup, that's not a place you want to be in. Obviously, that's the spot they were in last year with Jackson Arnold's backup. So I think even though not saying Casey Thompson is a better quarterback necessarily than Jackson Arnold, I do think in terms of that role, the backup, throw him in the fire if you need to in the middle of a game like we saw in Provo. I think you probably feel better about Casey Thompson handling that moment than you would a true freshman, whether that's Michael Hawkins this year or even necessarily Jackson or last year. I know he did fine. They won that game, but they weren't also weren't asking to do a whole lot. They're just trying to hang on, you know, there in uh, in Utah. So I think overall, I mean, Michael Hawkins probably your third string option. That's better by a lot than what you had last year. You know, not trying to just crush Davis Bevel, but we we saw that. You know, we saw enough there, and uh, General Booty's still around. So that's. A, a, a wash, I guess. And you also have Brandon Zerbrook. So I'm going to say marginally, I think it's in a better shape than it was last year. And I think Jackson is going to have a great year. I'm really excited to see him get to have full run of the go of it. And uh, the fact that the schedule, like we've talked about before, has got a nice runway. You know, he doesn't have to just jump right into playing Bama. You know, he has a few games at home against G5 teams that it's, you know, he gets a chance to kind of settle in a little bit before the crazy environments and all that stuff comes a little later. So I'm excited to see what he looks like. I, I think by not a huge gap, I think they're in slightly a better place than they were last year. I think that's a good point, too. I, I don't think I kind of, you know, put when we, when we talked about this beforehand, I don't think I listed the entire quarterback group in there. I mean, yeah, obviously third and fourth strings. Yeah. OU is a little bit better now, too. I mean, that's a good point to bring up when you look at the entire group because, you know, just first hearing the question, I'm like, okay, just the first and second string, the guys that you're mainly going to sure. see on the field. Sure. That's who I was kind of ranking off of. So I, I like that, Josh. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of depth, top to bottom, they're yeah. in a better spot than they were last year, and last yeah. year they were in a better spot than they were the year before. Mm-hmm. You know, that's wow. something that's naturally going to come in time. Um, you know, I, again, I, I think Jackson Arnold is going to be a, a great quarterback. Um, I want to see how he develops in this offense and how he develops with Seth Luttrell, um, just because, you know, like, you know, Dylan Gabriel was a proven commodity going into last season, so I felt better about, you know, the top of their you know, depth chart heading into last season than I necessarily do right now. But I think there's obviously room for Jackson Arnold to just, you know, 
hit his ceiling and hit his stride and show why he was a top 10 player in the class. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And like we talked about at the time, you know, that Alamo Bowl, obviously the turnovers, things like that, he's got to clean up. But the talent was on display through for you know, over 300 yards. And that bomb to Brandon Thompson, that's what's keeping OU fans going uh, right now. Um, there's a lot to be excited about. What about the running backs? DeMarco Murray's group. Um, some turnover here, but some big names are obviously back. Devontae Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk going to lead his room, presumably. It's what we thought last year didn't end up going that way because Devontae Barnes was hurt basically the whole year. Just a lost season for him. You're hoping he can bounce back. Gavin Sawchuk was great in the second half of the year. Marcus Major, Tali Walker, the other guys who got lots of carries, they're both gone. Minnesota, Wisconsin, where they transferred out to. You bring in Sam Martin, or uh, yeah, Sam Martin from Wait, is that Sam Franklin from Sam UT? Franklin. From UT. Oh, like, that does not sound right. Sam yeah, Franklin from UT Martin comes in from the transfer portal. You also add Taylor Tatum, number one running back in the class. Also, Xavier Robinson comes in as well. Uh, Andy Bass, who's going to be injured, uh, obviously, at least to start the year. Um, what do we make of this running back group? Uh, I think a lot of it probably comes down to Javante Barnes' health. Um, how do you size it up? Major Walker gone, but you bring in Franklin from the portal, like I said. How you kind of size up uh, DeMarco Murray's group? I think this room is in a better position than they were last year. Like, probably pretty significantly. And that's not to take anything away from Marcus Major and Tally Walker, who, like we've discussed, was at times their most consistent running back sure. last season. Sure. And, look, I know a lot of fans would have liked for them to find a way to keep Tally Walker around, get him on scholarship or something. Um, just because he proved he can, you know, consistently pick up that yardage that you need sometimes. But I also think that Gavin Sawchuk, when healthy, showed that he is more than capable of being a feature running back. Um, you know, at least he was in the Big 12. I think he'll be able to do it in the SEC. You know, he finished the season, I think, with, what, five straight 100-yard games. You know, coming into last season, you think about it, we barely saw Gavin Sawchuk in 2022. Yeah, it was just that, you know, kind of tantalizing preview in the Cheez-It Bowl. Mm. And then, you know, kind of hampered by that hamstring throughout the first half of the season. But once he hit his stride, man, he, he was full go. Nothing was really stopping him. You hope to get Javante Barnes back healthy. You know what he can do when he's healthy as a number two back, a complimentary piece. And then, you know, adding Sam Franklin, you know, we'll see how the transition goes from FCS to FBS, but he's a guy that has produced, you know, he had almost 1,400 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns last season. You know, he's got over 2,000 career rushing yards. If he can be kind of that third, you know, second or third complimentary piece in there, a uh, change of pace type of back maybe, um, you know, this room's going to be in good position. And, that, and that's without even considering what, you know, Taylor Tatum or Xavier Robinson might be able to do as freshmen. You know, I'm not counting out Taylor Tatum, you know, carving out a role as a freshman just because he was the top running back in the class. I mean, he has the ability to be a dude. It's just a matter of how soon can they get him on the field and in what capacity. This this running back room is a lot better. I mean, that's just a simple point of it. I mean, you, you talked about it, uh, Tom, with Tatum coming in as well. Bringing a, a guy like that into this group with Gavin Sawchuk, which we all assume is going to lead the way this time. We don't really have any, any question marks this time going in. It's going to be Sawchuk. And then the barn is, is there as well. I mean, I, I, I've talked about it a lot with the Oklahoma Preps guys, with Andy Bass and Xavier Robinson. Those two guys were the top you know, players in the state of football this year. I mean, it was just, it was just that yeah. they were that good. And you bring them both in. Now, obviously, Andy Bass has had his injury in the state title game, so he'll be out here in a bit, although – I did see him, you know, working out. He's back to working out now, trying to get that knee 
uh, fully ready. So he's not all the way at this point in time being being out. But I mean, bringing those guys in to this group that's already experienced with Sawchuck leading the way, I think is a very comfortable position for Oklahoma fans to be in because you've seen what Sawchuck can do as a feature back now. I mean, those last five games, as Tom talked about, 100 yards plus each time. And then you got these, you know, the five star coming in and you got everybody behind them. It's a really, really good running back room. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be a lot higher on our rankings this time around when we get there this season, if everybody's still here. Yeah, I think that the stat is every time that Gavin Sawchuk has gotten at least 11 carries in a game, he's eclipsed 100 yards. So he makes the most of his opportunities. Like yeah. He does not play a lot. Yeah, and that's why, you, that's why we just assume. Yeah. He, he should be the guy because there's no way he does that and then they not let him be the lead back, the feature back next year. That's just what it is. Yeah, presuming Javante Barnes is himself, um, yeah. I think it's definitely in a better place. I mean, two years ago, Javante Barnes was Eric Gray's number two, and it was great. You know, I I, I came into last year thinking that he was going to take a big jump with Sawchuck as his number two, and it just yeah. never yeah. never happened. He never was able to get on the field with any real consistency at all. And now you you hope that he can bounce back and be back to what he was a couple years ago. Gavin Sawchuck, like we just said, finished the year so strongly. You know, we did the signing day superlative show, Colin and I, last Thursday. His pick for most day one ready was Taylor Tatum. So, I mean, you just look at the group overall. Just even Barnes and Sawchuk alone at the top, you're in really good shape. And then you bring in Sam Franklin, he's going to have an impact. Tatum's right there, just one of those guys. Number one running back in the class, you know, for a reason. He'll be an option for you if you need him to. Xavier Robinson, who I've uh, been, you know, James and I both seen him play in person a number of times. Hard to imagine he won't find a way to do something at the college level may not necessarily be right away next year. Cause they just won't need him to, but I wouldn't shock me either. I mean, he's a different breed, different cat. So yeah, there's a lot to like about this running back room. DeMarco Murray is recruited it. Well, they're in good shape here. A lot, you know, depth is in a better spot. And uh, yeah, I agree. I think you're in a better place running back wise than your last year, which was not even a weakness last year. So good, good stuff on that front. So yeah, we'll do this. Every Monday slash Tuesday, we're going to try and – I promise we're going to get back to the normal Monday, Monday, Thursday, starting next week. Um, next week, we'll do wide receivers and tight ends, which I think is going to be a couple more that we're going to say improved, especially tight ends. Um, but we'll get into that next week, and then uh, we'll keep doing the two pos uh, positions at a time and then take us right to the start of, uh, start of spring practice in the middle of March. We're getting close. We're getting I, think, very, very close. I think for what, if, what OU has done, in this offseason so far. It hasn't been like loud additions, but when you yeah. put them all together, it's like, yeah, that the entire group is a lot better now. And I think you're seeing it mm -hmm. a lot because Brent Venables talked a lot about competitive depth last year. I think this year they've they got just as you know they've done just as good. So I think we're gonna see that a lot with our with our new rankings here uh, pretty shortly. Yeah. I've talked about it before. I mean when you bring back a lot of your starters, especially on defense, it just yeah. Makes sense. Your portal class isn't going to be ranked as highly because you didn't. You're bringing a lot of your guys back, so I, I, I think you're right. They've supplemented the roster more than they brought in guys who are going to necessarily just yes, completely start. fill a hole because they didn't yeah. have as many holes this time as they've had the last couple of cycles. You know, with uh, Venables at the helm here, so we'll continue to evaluate things as we go along and uh, look forward to start of spring practice, which is nearing about a month and a half, a little over a month or so from now. Do want to real quick. This wasn't necessarily planned, but it popped right before we started recording. So I want to just make sure we got it in. Scouting combine invite list just came out. Uh, three of you guys, all offensive linemen: Andrew Rame, uh, Walter Rouse, 
Tyler Guyton, no surprise there. Guyton's been great. Uh, he's basically a lock to in the first round. The two things that are obviously jump out here, three offensive linemen, maybe maybe slow, slow everybody's roll. I'm trying to, trying to chase Bill Beanbow out of town. He's about to put three more guys in the league. And then uh, no Drake Stoops. Didn't get the invite. Um, didn't get the Senior Bowl invite either. But obviously, you guys remember, he did really well at the Shrine Bowl that week of practices. Mm-hmm. But obviously not enough to get an invite to the Combine. Really stinks because it's a lot harder to get drafted when you don't get that Combine invite. Not impossible, but it's a lot harder when they don't get to see you in Indy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stinks for him. I don't know if you guys had anything you want to toss in there. But, yeah, that that's... That, that stinks for him to not get that combat because that really it hinders you a lot in the draft process. It just does. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Shrine Bowl, he he'll still be able to kind of hang his head on that, and he'll have his pro day. I mean, there, there'll be scouts yeah, right, with the emphasis on the pro day is what it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it just puts a little bit more pressure on that that, that one day, uh, presumably in March. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, obviously not surprised to see the three guys that did get invited. Um, thought that maybe Drake Stoops would get an invite just because of, you know, kind of what he was showing down there in the Shrine Bowl. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how his uh, how his prospects kind of work out. You know, I still think he's a guy that even if he doesn't get drafted, he is going to probably earn an opportunity, a training camp invite somewhere to kind of show what he can do and, and see if he can cut his teeth in the league. Yeah, I think if Drake Stoops just gets in the door, he'll be fine. That's as we said, yeah. he's he's one of those guys. He's kind of like infectious the way he carries himself and things like that, and then be able to produce on the field the way he did at OU this last year. It's, it's it's incredible. So as long as he gets in, he'll be. I think he'll be okay. I understand he's not the biggest guy. He's not real, you know, fast, or he's not going to blow you away in the you know those measurables. But like, what more do you want from the guy in terms of the season he had? to try and get an invite. That's where it kind of stinks for him because it's like he did just about everything you could hope. Um, second half of the year, he's one of the best receivers in the country. Just yeah. Period. Uh, Numbers-wise, at least. And uh, didn't get the invite there. So that, that stinks. But he'll persevere. Like you guys said, if he just gets gets a shot, he'll probably make the most of it. And it does, like Tom said, puts an emphasis on the pro day. Because mm-hmm. when you have the combine, you can go do your thing and then you kind of know where you want to improve or maybe even not do it all a second time at the pro day. Now it's kind of all on the pro day, and uh, we'll be there in March whenever they do schedule that. And that'll be a lot of eyes on Drake Stoops that day. So look, look forward to that. Um, that should be, like Tom says, sometime in March. They've kind of moved all over the place. Sometimes it's early. Sometimes it's at the very end. I've had it during conference tournament week before. I've had it on opening day of baseball before. So all over the place. So we'll see where they shake it out this time um, coming up here next month. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. All right. Shifting over to Hardwood from the Gridiron. Hoops, big win. Bedlam over the weekend. Tom and I were there at the LNC. Um, It's a packed house. We've talked about this a a number of times. I know I've brought up with Colin as well in terms of over the last couple of years when the LNC kind of fills up and there's a lot of kind of emphasis on a game, it seems like the team plays worse. Like, they don't rise to the occasion. It's happened a few times. And I wouldn't say they played especially great on Saturday, but they did enough to win the game. Um, Had to have it. Oklahoma State's the worst team in the Big 12, and they're missing their best player. Um, Bryce Thompson went down earlier in the year. Um, Mike Boyden has owned Porter Moser, well-documented. This was the time, if you're going to get that monkey off your back, it had to happen this time and they did find a way to get the job done 66 62 
Tom, you and I were there. They had to have this game. Didn't really necessarily help their resume that much. In fact, I kind of hurt them in like net ranking and stuff like that. But a loss would hurt way more. They had to have this. They got the job done. They found a way to just kind of get through it and uh, get the win. Yeah, I mean, they like you said, they absolutely needed that game. They needed it last week. Um, you know, they lost three yeah. of the last four, including back-to-back at home. So to return home and you have a chance against BYU in a midweek game, where you know you have a chance to secure what is on paper your best win of the season, and you go out and do that convincingly, a 16-point win, and then you turn around and just scrap one out against your rival, a rival who's kind of been a, a pain in your side for the last few years since Porter Moser's been here. Um, they overcame a lot in that game. You know, three technical fouls, a flagrant. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam Godwin fouled out from the bench. Got tech from the bench. <laughs> of all yeah. people, too. Like, Sam Godwin's like the most mild manner guy on the team. I, I would love to know what he did to garner a, a tech from the bench. Yeah, but, I mean, they just locked in defensively the final, like, six minutes of that game. And, you know, they executed on both ends of the floor. They got points on seven of their final nine possessions, whether it was, you know, you know, Jalen Moore hitting a, a big shot in the a corner, uh, Latrey Darthur knocking mm-hmm. down a three-pointer from the other corner to, you know, put Oklahoma ahead for good and just guys hitting their free throws. Like, J.V. McCollum did not have a great game. I think he was one of six from the floor, one of five from three-point range. But he went four of four at the line in the final 30 seconds to help seal that game. Yeah. And then, like, guys like Rivaldo Suarez – um, like I mentioned with Trey Darthur, but Rivaldo Suarez has just been playing great basketball the last month. His last eight games, he's averaging almost 11 points, shooting like 60%, grabbing five rebounds. And he's got, I think, like a combined 12 or 13 blocks and steals during that stretch. And one of those steals was on Javon Small to basically seal the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was trying to foul him. They didn't call the foul. Small tried to drive, and Rivaldo Suarez just poked that thing away from behind and and gave Oklahoma the win that they needed because like they could not afford to, A, lose that game because on a, on the resume, it would have looked terrible. It would have been their first quadrant three loss. You, know, you don't want any bad losses on your resume, yeah. and they were able to avoid that. But also just looking at what's ahead these next three weeks for this team. Four of their next five games are against teams that are basically top fifteen in like every <laughs> metric. You know, whether it's Ken yeah. Palm, whether it's you know Net, whether it's the AP poll, um, it, it is a grueling three week stretch with the only kind of reprieve in that, so to speak, a road trip to Stillwater to face this Oklahoma State team again in two weeks. Um, so it, it is going to be a very difficult stretch. They needed those two wins, get a little bit of momentum. They're back in the AP poll. Um, I still think they're, you know, very firmly in the NCAA tournament at this point. And yeah, even, even if they, you know, don't do particularly well during these next three weeks, I don't think it's going to hurt their slate too much because I don't think they're going to be penalized for games that they weren't necessarily expected to win um, compared to what they've done overall this season. But they have a chance to, you know, stack some wins and really prove themselves these next few weeks. Yeah, I love Rivaldo Suarez. I've been kind of uh, bringing him up all the time. He's been so good off the bench. Um, he's just doing all the hard work, and you can just see how badly he wants it. Porter Moses kind of talked about that yesterday. Just this is it for him. You know, his career is winding down. He doesn't have any more eligibility. This is this is the last go for him, and uh, he wants to get back to the tournament. Or, or first time. Did he say nobody on the team's ever been to the tournament? No one wants to go to the tournament. No yeah, so he wants to get to the tournament, you know, and he he's laying it all out there. He is – hitting the floor. He's doing all the hard, dirty work, kind of that cliche type of stuff. Um, he always says the right thing in post game. He's, he's been great uh, for Oklahoma in the portal. 
you know, I've been hard on Latre Darthur, but he's been better, you know, as of late, the last few games. He's hit some timely shots. He's kind of quieted some of that Caden Cooper noise, which was getting louder and louder. Um, haven't heard that as much the last few games because Darthur and Suarez have been so good. I mean, that if those guys play well, and Suarez has been pretty good, it's been good the whole Big 12 play, but if those guys play well, the argument for Caden Cooper to get in there gets minimized pretty quickly um, because you don't need another, you know, wing guy to come in the game. So they needed that game really bad. And like you said, it was a wild scene when the techs started flying. Three techs is a lot. Um, Otega Owa, Jalen Moore, and Sam Godwin all got one. Jalen Moore is like very, that's very predictable. He plays with a lot of energy. Otega Owa is kind of a sneaky trash talker out there. Um, Sam Godwin on the bench is the betting odds on that were very, very long. Um, because that, that's wild that he got that was his fifth foul, too. He got that was the end of his night from the bench, but big win. They really, really had to have that. And, uh, like you said, we get to do it again in, in a couple of weeks. So, water on the 24th. Um, that should be a, a that should be very entertaining. Uh, there at Gallagher Iba. So, look forward to that in a couple of weeks. And now you go into a, a brutal week, a tough week as you're gonna have at Baylor tonight, uh, in Waco Tuesday night. And then Kansas comes to LNC on Saturday. Um, that's quite the back-to-back. It will be there in Norman on Saturday. Last time Kansas comes for who knows how long, probably forever, frankly. Um, so look forward to that. It's going to be fun uh, on Saturday. The other kind of storyline with men's hoops right now um, that's kind of been lingering. We haven't talked about it on the show. We haven't even really entertained it on the, the VIP message boards or anything just yet because it just never said like it had that much legs. But it's kind of been floating out there. It's been It's been in the ether has been the DePaul head coach job is open. Porter Moser has been loosely connected to it. Um, the Chicago connection is obvious, right? I mean, that that's really the number one thing tying him to it would be if he wants to go back home and he would have the opportunity in another major conference there in the Big East. Um, there is a lot of investment in hoops out there, even though that they stink. They're one of the worst teams in the country. They're 3-20. and 20. Uh, right. I think they play UConn tonight or tomorrow, too. Good luck with that. Um, but there's been some loose connections that Porter Moser would maybe be interested in that job. So I'm, I'm going to lay – he was asked about this yesterday in practice. I'm going to put that in the pod right here in just a second. You can hear it if you're listening, obviously. And if you're on the YouTube channel, you get to watch it, kind of see the interaction here of whenever he got asked yesterday about the DePaul opening, then you can you can judge for yourself. So I'm going to put it in right here. Porter was around this time last year. Rumors about Notre Dame. I, I don't even. I, and, anytime I hear a question starts out with last year, <laughs> it makes me want to end this. But now there's rumors, reports circulating no, no, about not DePaul. Even, don't even. Haven't talked to anybody. Not even thinking about anything. I'm just absolutely not even engaging into anything like that. 100. Uh, percent So excited about where we're at with the team. This is everything we've tried to build for. Is is being in this position and um, same comment as last year. All. All rumor mill fodder. Nothing, nothing true. Okay, so you saw that. Tom, you and I were, were there. We're not even, you know, a couple feet from him when he was answering this. It seemed genuine to me, right? I mean, he shot it down pretty pretty definitively. He didn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room there. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to jump to the DePaul gig. It doesn't sound like he's interested in it. Did you leave? Yesterday, convinced because I, I was I was pretty convinced. Yeah, I mean, I'm look. Uh, you're you're. I don't think you're ever going to slam the door. Um, you know, ever since Nick Saban said I will not be the next head coach of uh, of uh, Alabama or whatever it was when he 
left the Dolphins um, mm-hmm. and then goes and becomes the head coach at Alabama. But, you know, I think it was very telling the way he handled that, the way he said same comment as last year. And then you go back and look at what he said last year. We said, I'm not interested. I have no interest. Oklahoma yeah. is home. The Sooners are home. I like what we're building here. And now he's actually seeing the fruits of those labors of that rebuild. Um, at Oklahoma. I mean, I think maybe if the team was, you know, not having the kind of season it's having right now, if it was, you know, more of the same of last year, you know, maybe there, I think there would be more legs to it. But right now, it just doesn't make sense to leave a Big 12 slash SEC job for what is arguably one of the worst power six basketball jobs in the country right now. Um, I know DePaul's in the Big East. I know Chicago is home to him. I know he is a devout Catholic, and that is a Catholic university, kind of the same situation as last year with Notre Dame. But DePaul's not as good as Notre Dame as a program right now. No. I I just don't think the move makes much sense unless, you know, unless, look, you're really tugging at the the home, at at the roots for him. if something were to happen, I think it would be about, you know, his family wanting to get back home, him really wanting to get back home. But I think right now he likes what they're doing, what they've been able to do with this team and the opportunity to build upon it, moving into the SEC and a new challenge in that league. I think this would make more sense if, you know, Porter Mosier didn't like being in the big market, all the attention and things like that. But this is a guy that's been advocating for people to come out and support the team, advocating for more attention, advocating for more, yeah. you know, just time out there with everybody. So if he was trying to go to a smaller situation and want to go back home and be less out of the limelight, the spotlight, things like that, it maybe it'd make more sense. But he doesn't seem like the guy that wants to be at the smaller situation. That's why he left uh, Loyal Chicago uh, the first time. I mean, just just getting to Oklahoma, being at a bigger market, being at a program that he can truly build in with those top five, you know, top players, you know, in the country and, and go after those guys. So it, I don't, I don't, it, does, it didn't really make any sense to me. So that's, that's where I'll leave. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I have no insight onto the DePaul hiring process and who they might want, but I think there are names that make more sense than Porter Moser does for them right now. I mean, you look at, you, you look at Drew Valentine who replaced Porter at Loyola. I mean, he's a guy that maybe makes the move over to Paul. You look at a Will Wade who was disgraced at LSU after you know getting fired there and is now McNeese State and trying to work his way back up. He's yeah. a guy that might be interested in DePaul. Maybe a Bobby Hurley, something like that. I, I just don't I just don't know why a coach at Oklahoma in the Big Twelve, soon to be in the SEC, would make the move down to a school like DePaul right now. Um so I will say one one interesting little twist on it. Did you see who DePaul's interim head coach is right now? Yeah, it's uh it's a uh, Matt Brady. Yep. Former assistant who left mysteriously um, <laughs> at OU. Yeah. Um when was that? Was that this year? That feels like Okay, it was last year. Okay. I, was yeah. I, I can picture um he left just like very strangely, like he just was all of a sudden he was gone and Porter asked about it. He did not want to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't really know what happened there, to be quite honest. But uh, that is kind of funny. It all, it all comes together. It all comes together. But yeah, no, I agree. I mean, unless you're just extremely homesick, um, which I mean, you may. He was in Chicago for a long time. Obviously, coached Loyola for a decade there. So as the head coach. So I mean, it. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, he's put so much effort into building Oklahoma up. They are trending to be a tournament team. They're pretty close to securing that in the next couple of weeks, frankly. So, yeah, it, it never made a ton of sense. But 
you know, and, and even after yesterday, there's still a lot of Oklahoma fans that are still not going to totally, they're still thinking, even after watching the video, they're still feeling like that there's a chance he could, he could jump. And OU fans are scarred in this area for, for obvious reasons that don't need to be rehashed. Um, coaches lying about their, their desire to stay and, and things like that. And that, I think that's where a lot of this comes from because it just, when you just boil it down, it just doesn't make, doesn't make a lot of sense. Oklahoma's just a better job. And I'm going to say Oklahoma's a great job because it is hard to win here. Um, and there's not a ton of investment. And the Lenovo Center's a dump. And we talk about that a bunch of times. But it's not. It's a lot better job than Paul. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that for now. But um, Porter Moser shot that down pretty definitively. And uh, you can watch the full interview on the YouTube channel as well if you uh, want to check that out. And, pl- and please, the Paul fans, please. We're, we're not trying to say that DePaul is just a terrible place to be and things like that. We're just – you got to compare the schools and the situation. And that's, that's where – Well, it's I mean, hey, hey I, the Big East is not that far behind the Big 12, frankly. That's what I'm saying. The uh, Big East as a conference is pretty big. good. It's just um, the, the schools themselves. And so to build that roster, yeah. they're 3-20. Like I said, 3-20. Um, to build that roster to be competitive in the Big East would be really hard. Um, mm-hmm. That's asking a lot. Um, so, yeah, I don't – yeah, we're not disrespecting. The really in it for the That's long haul. Yeah, we're not disrespecting the Paul. We're just you know, yeah, we're to lay it out there. It's the job. Yeah. Sounds like James is disrespecting the Paul. In case the Paul, put that on the <laughs> clip that and put it put it out there uh, on the socials. All right, women's hoops. James is your account. Uh, I say the same thing every single show. They just keep winning. Um, eight in a row. They won at Hilton in Ames over the weekend. Um. I mean, they're pretty close to a lock for the tournament, I would think. They're in first place in the Big 12 all alone still. I've been able to say that the last couple of shows. Um, what can you say, man? They just it, – it's I, again, I, I sound like a broken record. I say the same thing every show. They just it, – it's it's amazing. You know, I didn't get to watch the game on Saturday because it was at the exact same time as the men's game when I was there at the LNC. But I was checking the score, and I was like, there they go, about to win again. You know, it's just – it's amazing. It's like clockwork right now. Yeah, eight in a row, man. So, I mean – 11 of the last 12. I mean, it's just that's like a, a month, really, that's like a month solid. Just, like, it's it's crazy what they've they've put together. They're all they're just a cohesive unit now. I mean, everything just makes sense for this team. They're they play well, they play, they're well coached, as you have you said plenty of times, you know, even yeah. before, when the non conference schedule was happening. And you're starting to see all of these, all, all of it work out. You know, Scholar, Scholar has been, you know, the best player on this team, as we talked about a lot. But then you get uh, uh Lexi Keys and, and those players like that. Having you know their their nights and, and playing well and it's it's just been working really well for this team overall. I mean, it's not much you can say when you're winning like this. I mean, there's nothing to nitpick at it or anything like that. It's just like you're doing your job, so just keep going. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's where you're at this point. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, after all they lost last year, they would still be in the driver's seat in the, in the Big Twelve Conference. I mean, it's just it's amazing what they've done. Yeah, they only moved up one spot, which seems like they're a little underranked right now. Considering they're in first place in the Big Twelve, they're behind like several other Big Twelve teams. You know, they beat a lot of them, and they're in first place. But they're number twenty-three in the eight people. The men moved back in at twenty-five. Only five schools have got t- ranked teams in both. Um, it's South Carolina, UConn, Creighton, Baylor, and OU. Kind of cool. Um, kind of cool. So we're we're a little spoiled on that front. Not a lot of schools get. Yeah, we, we've been that. saying they. The teams have been like you know opposite ends each time. Yeah, they're both at the same so time. They're both in, and okay, maybe they're, they're pointing towards the right direction here. Yeah, right. And uh, they got some big games coming up. Uh, the women do, don't they? Play Baylor as well. I'm pumped their schedule right now. 
Also, to point out that Iowa State game, that OU hasn't hasn't beat Iowa State in, in quite some time. So that's also yeah, that also was an accomplishment as well. Like yeah, they got Baylor tomorrow at the LNC uh, Wednesday night, Valentine's Day night. That's a top twenty five mm-hmm. matchup there as well. Baylor's twenty one, OU's twenty three. So uh, both teams have got Baylor in top twenty five games in the next two nights. So we'll get lots of OU versus Baylor basketball coverage uh, on the site in the next couple of days. Baylor has a a, a former. Oklahoma Preps uh, lady on their team as well, Scholar, uh, not Scholar, but uh, Dariana Little Page Bugs was an amazing player for class in SAS back in the day. There you so go. The comments. Some, some, some look at it. Yeah. There you go. So there you go. They're playing well right now. Uh, certainly, certainly trying to get back to the tournament. Um, and who knows? I mean, and it's really important. I've talked about this in the past. I, we haven't really brought up on this show because it just hasn't been necessary yet, but it's getting to that point. As a reminder, if you don't follow women's hoops that closely, March Madness setup is different than the men. The first round, first two rounds are at home. You get to host the first two rounds if you're a top four seed. Yep. So their regular season is more important in some ways down the stretch because you want to get in that top 16. If you're in the top 16, you get to host the first two rounds at home, which is, I mean, it goes without saying, it's a huge difference, huge. So mm-hmm. finishing the season strong. It, I mean, they'd be trying to do that anyway. But if you can get into that top 16 and get at a four seed or higher, you get the first two rounds at the LNC, which they did a couple years ago. So um, we'll see how they go. We've got, a, we've got got about a month left and still into selection Sunday. But doing doing good things right now is uh, Bronchek's team, certainly. So to wrap up here, um, this will just be me for a couple of minutes. The baseball season gets underway this week. We talked about last week softball got started. Shockingly, they won other games. They got a couple close calls in there, I guess, but they won other games. They're undefeated to start the year. Can baseball I just point out? Going. Let me point yeah. out before you get to baseball. Cassidy Pickering, uh, as a freshman, this is going to be this is going to be a problem uh, for the next couple of years. This this girl is is it's really really good. Like I mean, my goodness, to start the season with a grand slam, like <laughs> that's crazy. Like and she's bad. the one that delivered it. Was that first gonna, at bat? Yeah, oh yeah, first at bat at OU. First at it's, bat. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Like, and then she was she was voted to the all tournament team, uh, you know, for for the entire of the Mexico trip. So I mean, like, that that was surprising. I can't yeah. wait to talk to Patty Gas on them about that uh, this afternoon and talk about what she's accomplished so far. I mean, that's she came out of nowhere. There you go. go. Ahead. My bad. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, you're good. No, there you go. So a great weekend for softball to start. Um, again, not shocking to say the least. They won. They went undefeated through the weekend. Now baseball gets to start this weekend. They're down in Arlington, a Globe Life Field. I'm actually going to go down for the opener on Friday. They play Oregon Friday afternoon. I'm going to be there, so keep an eye on the site for coverage from Boots on the Ground in Arlington. i got to come back because we have Kansas coming to LNC on Saturday, so I'll only be there for the opener. But looking forward to it. Um, if Just a quick 60 seconds or less primer on the team. Two years ago, they went to Omaha. They lost a lot. You know, from going into last year, they had to replace like the whole lineup practically, the whole rotation back in the bullpen. That is not the case this year. If you watch this team last year, it's going to be a lot of names you recognize. The entire outfield is back Kendall Pettis, John Spikerman, Bryce Madrin, Jackson Nicholas is back, Anthony McKenzie's back, Easton Carmichael is back. Um, the back in the bullpen's got names you know. Carter Campbell, the, the headliner there, is kind of their key reliever that they use in all the high leverage spots. They went out and they added multiple big arms in the portal. So you're going to have to learn some new pitchers, but they really went hard in the starting pitcher market in the transfer portal. 
Um, expect to see some of those guys certainly this weekend. Brennan Gert from Texas Tech's a big one. Brayden Davis, heard a lot of good things about him. Um, so that was kind of a big emphasis was adding arms, and they did that in a major way in the portal. Um, and then the fun one is Jackson Willits. This true freshman is going to start a shortstop, it sounds like. Reggie Willits' son, so he's an OU legacy, obviously. Fans have been excited about this kid for a while, and I've been asked a bunch of times, do you think Jackson Willits could be the starting shortstop right away as a freshman? I've always kind of said the same thing, like, probably. Like, he's good enough to. I mean, he's I've seen him play. He He's a switch hitter. He's a great fielder. I mean, he doesn't look like a freshman. And Skip Johnson said last week at media day that he is the leader in the clubhouse to start at shortstop on opening day, which is pretty cool uh, as a true freshman. So he's a star in the making, and uh, they got a lot to be excited about. They should be a really good team. That's the bottom line. They should be a good team. Uh, made the tournament last year in what was supposed to be kind of a rebuilding year, and they brought close to everyone back, especially in the lineup. A lot to be excited about. They're going to be a good team. So I uh, look forward to watching this week, and hopefully people join along for the coverage uh, all season long. I'm excited. So uh, I got to see uh, I got to see Jackson play a couple of times, there a bunch go. of times actually, because of they were always in the state uh, you know tournament in the state title game and things like that. Yeah, I mean exactly. they, they play all the time, and so I was always there covering both because they play twice you know throughout the year the school year because they don't play football, so you can play two baseball seasons. So mm-hmm. they were one of the schools that that play both and got to see him a lot. I mean, so he's 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 really good. I mean, he was incredible back then. We saw him coming up like. You know, freshman and sophomore years were like man this kid's gonna be really good so yeah i I, i'm i'm very familiar with him yes he he could definitely start on this on this team it's funny because you know i was in omaha two years ago for that run and they would have open practices and he would be out there you know because obviously his dad's a coach on the team reggie willits and he would take bp with the team and stuff and it was like get this kid get the kid a uniform i mean he's only a junior high school at that time yeah and uh yeah he it's fun it's just a fun storyline to have a true freshman with the name that he does. Um, it's like I said, switch hitter. I mean, he's got a lot going for him. And it's in college baseball, you you have to stay three years. So he's going to have a chance to grow, and fans are going to get a chance to really know him and watch him kind of blossom into a star potentially, which is which is cool. Um, so excited to see that. And his younger brother, Eli Willits, is expected to be even better. Um, now the fear there is that he, he might not ever make it to you because he might get drafted, and then that's that. Um, mm-hmm. But – there's more down the pike. The Willits family is producing lots of lots of talent. So, um, now, do you, have to, week. you don't have to say three years if you go to junior college, right? Isn't that the rule? I can't remember. If yeah, no, if you go to JUCO, it's just three years. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, three years. Just three out years. Of, if you play two at JUCO, you don't have to play one at yeah. OU, presumably. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so be cool. I'm excited to get down there, see some baseball. Um, I love baseball. And opening day is coming up. I'm going to have a season preview on the site as well tomorrow is the plan there. So. Keep an eye out for that for uh, Valentine's Day baseball fans uh, to get, get excited about the uh, about the team. All right, I think that's it. Be back on Thursday with Colin. Do some recruiting news, stuff like that. Also uh, get some thoughts on the Baylor basketball game tonight at the LNC. Gentlemen, have a good week, uh, rest of your week, Valentine's Day, and all that good stuff. And I'll see you guys next week. For Tom Green, James C. Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys next time on the Sooners Illustrated podcast. See you.